0: Because I realized, Stefano, that there's no lack of money. There's 369 trillion in global wealth. Uh, there's no lack of information. They say it doubles every month or so, countless, you know ideas. They're all connected to people. And nothing happens without people. People write the checks, they know about the deals. I think now they say 90% of jobs come through who you know. And so another powerful thing is to build a strong network.
1: Welcome, welcome, I'm your host Stefano and this is When Leaders Talk, a podcast about leadership and most importantly about leaders. One of the qualities that the leader should have is to be enabled of networking, because networking is Basically creating the base for your endeavor, any type of endeavor you want to you want to do, and it can be networking within your company or outside your company. Well, networking is what I've been talking about with Judy Robinet, the guest for this episode. Judy is an amazing person. She's not just the author of two best-selling books. One is on is on networking, it's called the Power Connector published in 2014 it was number one among the uh, business books and the other one is crack the funding code it was published in 2019 so but also she has been a CEO and uh, vice president and, and more of many many other companies and founders and she was uh, also an angel investor and she sits on the on the boards as a, a, of directors in many in many companies. She knows a lot about leadership and she knows how important it is to understand the dimension, the human dimension of leadership and to have qualities like curiosity, uh, like transparency and much, much more. This is an amazing conversation because Judy really knows a lot and uh, she's willing to share everything with us. So I really invited you to listen to the podcast and to also to subscribe to the podcast, so to make it bigger and even more popular and have other great guests like Judy coming and talking to us. Also, you can follow me on my social, uh, on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. And, uh, well, with no further ado, Judy Robinet. Judy, I'm sure your perspective on leadership is special, and I'm very curious on what is your definition of leadership.
0: So I think my leadership um, definition would be um, that you you truly have to lead people much like the shepherd leads the sheep. So mm. you were there to protect, um, guide um, and and help people. So, you know, there's a, a saying that, uh, uh, you know, people have rushed to the, the top of the ladder and found out they're going the wrong direction. And And I think it's really true. You have to have vision. Um, and, you know, really imperative to, you know, care about your people, create the kind of culture that is important, uh, but be really cognizant of a vision and share that.
1: Well, I, I really agree on what you're saying, you know, and especially when you talk about having a vision, because, uh, having a vision gives a direction, right? It's not like, um, and also you need to be able to communicate the vision. It's not just having a vision. You have to be able to have everyone on board. Uh, is there some skills that you would kind of recommend <laughs> to leaders to, be uh, being able to have everyone on board and, and, and uh, walk or run or whatever <laughs> towards the, the vision?
0: Yeah, so I think that you have to be um, uh, transparent and, you know, be willing to tell the troops when there's problems, uh, but also be able to ascertain, you know, a path forward. So the most important part, I believe, is the communicating. So Mm. uh, for instance, I was CEO of a public biotech company for, for about 10 years. Uh, When I started with the company, I just went to advise the board of directors on the path forward. They were broke, they were in litigation, uh, and they'd been delisted off the stock exchange. And uh, I gave them advice, and the chairman of the board said to me, Oh, Judy, we want you to be the CEO. And I think I said to him three times, I can't be the CEO of a public company. And then I decided I'd always wanted to do that when I was younger. Um, and that maybe I should. Um, and and so, you know, it was really important to me, particularly in kind of dire circumstances,, uh, that I communicate closely with the board,, uh, my my action plan going forward. Um, and I let them know, you know, when we had hit the wall on on various things and you always hit the wall. There's always problems. Uh, there's there's always conflict, and so I think um, you know certainly having a close uh, close communications with um, your VPs right. and your board is absolutely crucial. And but you need to you know push that down throughout the company, and you know that can be in group meetings. Certainly the the VPs can handle a lot of this, but, but I think it's imperative and, you know, there's people out there that say, um, you know, true leaders are, are bullies. So you can look, a lot of people will say, you know, well uh, look at Steve jobs or uh, look at Elon Musk, you know, they've been able to uh, achieve great brilliant things. uh, But, you know i don't really buy into that because i see the damage that is left behind
1: that's a that's a good point that's actually a point you pointed out to people that many others they use as a role model right i in many other interviews in this podcast i've heard these names <laughs> coming out many many times uh, but there are aspects that are probably not ideal. Uh, let, me, let me say this, right? Um, and we can see this, um, if I can point something out, is for example, uh, the, the, the transition in, um, from, of Twitter, now X, and uh, how a lot of things have changed. It's not like change is, is bad or, or good, it's a change. But probably uh, the impression that I had was the violence <laughs> of, this, of this change, how it was brought into the, into the company and how it was disruptive in many, many ways. Is it good or bad? I guess it's something we're going to measure in the next months or years. Uh, I don't follow Twitter trends, so I don't know how much they're doing well now under the new management. But I know that Elon Musk is one of those people who really is focused on working a lot and he wants everyone to work a lot. Yeah. Just, and just, it goes back to what you said earlier, right? Creating the culture. What's the culture that, that you, wanna, you wanna bring to your company? And if I join Twitter, I know that I have to, to work hard and like 16 hours per day. What is the culture that you brought to the, the biotech company we're talking about?
0: Uh, you know, the culture that that I really uh reinforced, like I said, was being open and transparent about where we are as a company. You know, I'm not going to uh create false hope. You know, when we have problems, we have problems. And as a team, we can all solve those together. Uh and that was really the culture um that that I created um and that people could be open they could come to me with with problems and they could come with with issues um and you know i would often just uh you know for instance i was also vice president of a, a hospital we were pursuing the malcolm baldridge uh award and and i was on the committee under president clinton uh that figured those out and i made it a point when i was in that organization that i even talked carefully with the janitors, uh, because I found out that they knew what was going on more than people further up, you know, so often what happens is, uh, you know, get coated, And so employees become very aware that you just want to hear good news. And then often something will happen that you wish you would have known that that you didn't. Um, and and I truly, you know, believe the the culture is important. Manoj Kwal, Kwali, who was the head of uh, SoftBank India for forty years, said, you know, the, the culture is is everything. Um, and and you know, I'm seventy, um, and looking back over the years, you know, I, I thoroughly understand that. So if people want to join. Uh, an organization like Twitter you know, or X, so be it. Um, They've—I they, just saw a report in the Wall Street Journal, I believe, two days ago, uh, that uh, Elon has lost lost multi billions of dollars just recently, yeah. and uh, you know it's to the point that a lot of uh, people don't trust him. Uh, but it should be no surprise. I mean, you can look at his past dealings. He had, you know, major fallout with Peter Thiel, uh, with with PayPal, and I believe was kind of pushed out. And so, um, I I do think it's important that you are are honest, open, that you communicate heavily, uh, and that you have, you know, the the buy-in from your lieutenants on on the path forward, and certainly your board. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the CEO of, of the hospital that I was at. And it was disheartening to me that the uh, uh, the hospital administrator didn't give the physicians the time of day. Uh, there would be no patient in a hospital without a doctor. You know, somebody has to bring them in for surgery, for x-rays, you know, whatever the thing was. And so in my mind, the hospital, you know, their key customer uh, was certainly the physicians. And so you have to think hard about who is your ideal customer um, and what are you trying to do? Because I think a lot of people get the metrics wrong. You know, everybody talks about unit economics and and the lifetime value of a customer and such. Um, I have uh, consulted with many organizations that you know, at the end of the day, they were really targeting the wrong customer group. And, and I'll tell you just a quick story. So I, when I went to the hospital, I left a Fortune 50 corporation and uh, we were the biggest producer of of potato products in the world, you know, supplying French fries to McDonald's and such. And the administrator came up to me and said, oh, aren't you just so happy that you you left this organization and, and came to one that saves people's lives. And I said, you know, it looks a lot the same to me. The trucks brought the potatoes and dumped them. The ambulance brings the people, dumps them. Uh, they take the potatoes in, wash and scrub and cut them. They take the patients in, wash and scrub and cut them. And somebody gets a bill. <laughs> yeah. and and so you know i've had the honor of working in many different industries and being able to look from a forty thousand foot level into what is it that really makes that organization tick and and what is in, important
1: it's it's a it's a, a daring <laughs> association between patients and potatoes <laughs> but i see what you what you're saying Um, But I see that actually, as I read your your bio, but you're already talking a lot about the the great positions that you had as CEO, vice president, and so on and so forth. What's this secret ingredient that you have used to be such a successful leader, such a successful person?
0: You know, I think uh, part of it stems from uh, my curiosity and I love to learn. You know, the one thing, and I mentor uh, several people, uh, a 25-year-old, a 35-year-old, and I tell them constant learning. You have to be on top of your game. Uh, you have to be, you know, amassing uh, knowledge, which will turn into wisdom. I mean, data points, metrics are nice, but, you know, you've you've got to turn those into actionable uh, metrics. So certainly learning Um, and then the other thing is I love to help people and, and I love a challenge. When somebody says something can't be done in my head, I'm going, get out of my way. I'll do it (laughs) because I realize Stefano, that there's no lack of money. There's 369 trillion in global wealth. Uh, there's no lack of information. They say it doubles every month or so, countless, you know, ideas. They're all connected to people. And nothing happens without people. People write the checks. They know about the deals. I think now they say 90% of jobs come through who you know. And so another powerful thing is to build a strong network. And and I think this is really true the higher you get up um, in an organization, of uh being cognizant of what's going on out outside in your industry and having other contacts that they can alert you to trends maybe downfalls uh upturns in in the organization and i think if you learn to embrace challenges so um i also you know uh, when i was young did a franchise restaurant I, I gave a speech at mit and somebody handed me the wall street journal and it had an article on how to be Uh, financially successful, independent, and American. It said there's five ways, be a doctor, a lawyer, inherit it, or marry it. And I thought those are out. (laughs) And then the fifth one was start a business. And I went, start a business. How hard could it be? And, you know, dumb me, um, I did a franchise restaurant thinking, you know, all the operations, everything's in place, the processes. If I just work hard, you know, I can make this work. And several years into it, um, I thought I was, uh, I was broke. I was going bankrupt. And I went to a bankruptcy attorney with my financials and he said, you know, you're not even close. And I said, but I'm broke. And he said, listen, Judy, they can break you, but they can't eat you. And that really helped me break out of the fear cycle to what actions I could take to succeed. And Hmm. I was able to turn that around and sell it. And then, of course, I became an investor. And now I sit on VC boards and work with high potential companies, getting them funded. Uh, But, you know, I think you in your life need to question uh, the assumptions you have um, and listen carefully at feedback that you get. And... uh, you know, conquering the fear
1: monster at whatever level you have? Oh, there is a lot to unpack here. <laughs> and then we could have another couple of hours of, of conversation just on what you just said. But of course, I mean, th- th- there is the one thing that actually led us here because what, I, what I'm, uh, actually a couple of things, two things. One, is you are... Truly a giver, and I have noticed this. The moment I brought you an email to invite you to the podcast, and you, your answer was not just "Oh yes, let's talk about it,", it was also giving me some advice on microphone and what I could work. With. And I was surprised by that, but I shouldn't because actually your name um, came when I read this book. That who for who's listening to this is how to be a power connector. The five fifteen hundred rule for turning your business network into profits. This is a great book that Judy wrote um, nine years ago, 2014. And I've read uh, as soon as I moved to the United States because I needed to understand I'm not I'm not good at networking I need to, to acquire this skill. Uh, so, of course, we have to transition to networking now because it is really, and actually networking and the giving mentality, they are combined, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, you figure out how to add value. So often when people say to me, you know, they hate networking, it's they feel uncomfortable talking to strangers. So the fear often is strangers are danger uh, or, you know, this person is so far above me. What on earth could I could I offer this person? And the, the reality is, you know, just listening is such a gift nowadays, but mm-hmm. being able to create value, you know, I, I send articles to people. Um, I, I try to write from the get go, you know, figure out how I can add value for them to succeed, whether it's their company or their, their life. Um, and, you know, I think that is, is critical. And, and I'll tell you, I thought I was shy until I was 28. At 28 I finally decided I'd be honest with my friends who all laughed at me and said you're not <laughs> you're not even close to being shy and I thought, "Well, what is it then?" And and it was a bit fear of strangers yeah. and not thinking I was good enough. You know, who would want to talk to me? What is it I could possibly offer? Well, now I'm friends with billionaires and and I'm comfortable and part of that is You know, when I was in the corporate world working in Fortune 50 companies, I looked around and I wondered why everybody else was getting uh, promotions. And and I realized that I didn't have a network. I mean, I had been taught like middle class kids, keep your head down, work hard, people will notice. And and they don't in these highly competitive political uh, environments. And so I read How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I learned how important saying a person's name is. So, you know, I make it a point of of in, in my emails, you know, have a good weekend, Stefano. Uh, I, I make sure that that I use that. But I got to the point of making it a game. So I remember once I was with my friend and we pulled into a big restaurant and I said, whoever pulls in next to us, I'm going to figure out a way to talk to them. And somebody pulls in and I get out and I notice they have Idaho plates, which is where I was raised after my dad retired from the military. And I said, oh, you're from Idaho. I grew up in, uh, where are you from? And it ended up, you know, in a five minute conversation. So I made it a game, a challenge. um, And I've never had anybody be ignorant to me. Uh, You know, if I'm on a plane and somebody obviously has got their, you know, their plugs in their ears and and they're deep in a book, I'm not going to interrupt them. uh, But I have found out 99% of people are more than happy to talk. And better than that, they're more than happy to help. And so, you know, I teach people my golden questions. You know, you tell them about the project you're working on. And then you say, What other ideas do you have for me? And then number two, who else do you know I should talk to? And this has landed me on panels with Mark Cuban and at all kinds of places. And, you know, I was raised you know, I considered myself a nobody from a town of 800 people in rural Idaho. And so it works. And the more that you increase your network, it's almost like you spiral up and your net worth is highly correlated to who you're running around with, and because you'll end up adopting their mindsets, learning stuff from them.
1: And this is uh, something that leaders should learn quite soon, or wh- whoever wants to, to be a successful leader, right? Actually, um, I'm, I'm shy, like <laughs> like yeah, I'm shy for real, um, and uh, I recognize that I've always been this kind of person who can enter in a party and if I don't feel like it, I can stay on my own for for a while. And then I read your book and it seems so easy because it's like you break it down to very simple steps. Right? And, and And I understood what the mistakes that I've done for the last 49 years now i'm 50 49 years of my life even in my previous uh, career as a military officer i did not create any network it doesn't mean being a yes man to some mm-hmm. big admin or whatever no it is as you said having this giving mentality being ready to help knowing that you know it's it's uh, you establishing a relevant human relationship with another person. You,
0: yes, and, and you know, that way, uh, and the more powerful your relationships are, the more gravitas those people are, the more doors it open, the more opportunities it open. So, you know, I, I moved back to this small town when my mother was uh, getting ready to die, and I've actually... Stayed here, and I use the example I have an individual that's across the street from me that drives a a milk truck. Um, On the other hand, uh, you know, I I know Tim Draper of Draper VC. Now, if I reach out to both of those people and say, hey, this is what I'm working on, what other ideas do you have for me? Who else do you know I should talk to? I'm going to get very different results. And so, you know, it's important to build a strong, wide, deep network. And, you know, research shows when we talk to strangers, the first thing we look for is some level of kindness because we don't want someone to kill us. And the second is a level of competency. But I add to that generosity because just because someone can help you doesn't mean they will. And and I'll tell you, Stefano, I hate parties. Um, uh, those kind of situations I hate. Uh, when I used to have to go at the corporate world, I'd hang out by the food table uh, because I was, you know, uh, not comfortable with with those kind of events, and I, I still am am not necessarily.
1: It resonates. It resonates. And you know,
0: you can be you can be a, an interview and still have you know the powerful network, and you know, like I I'll I'll tell you, and we can talk later. Who do you need? Uh, And and I can connect you to, you know, the right kinds of people that would help you depending on what your goal is. So Dan Sullivan wrote a little book called, um, um, I think it's The Question, and, and I'll send it for the show notes. And it is, if you and I were having this conversation three years from today, what would it take for you to be successful and happy Specifically, what three problems do you need to address now? What three competencies should you improve? And what three opportunities should you go after right now? And I have found that to be very helpful. You know, if I'm having a, a serious problem, to just, you know, like try to calm the monkey mind, as they call it, and go back to uh you know i I must not forget opportunities and I must not forget my strengths.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I like this uh this uh approach that you just mentioned I am gonna I'm gonna read the book and uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm open to those I'm I'm a I'm a lifetime learner. I love and that's why I bought your book uh first distance because I needed to learn and you know, since I didn't have the skills and um, I it's it's a one way to really uh, understand that you can be a better person and uh, the moment you think you are reached uh, the uh, you're the person you are well that i think you're failing <laughs> something something is is going wrong well the, let's let's move from networking to another thing that you mentioned earlier that is uh, the challenges how to face challenges and Many people coming here in the podcast, they they always share their, their successful stories. But actually, what I'm going to ask you, Judy, is what is the story that you would like to share with us, but telling like a failure or a mistake you've done with uh, some consequences? Yeah, well, the
0: restaurant was a big one.
1: <laughs> hmm. Well, it depends on the type of food. What type of food was it? Just for other curiosity.
0: Uh, it was a breakfast, uh, a famous restaurant that originated, I believe, in Portland called Elmer's uh, Steak and Pancake House. They're in Palm Springs, all through the the <laughs> Northwest. Um, uh, that was a big one. And another big mistake was,
1: um, but hold on, but can, can I ask you? I'm sorry to stop you there, but what was the mistake in the restaurant? What was the, the what led to the uh, bankruptcy?
0: Well, it, it didn't go bankrupt, I turned it yeah. around and yeah. sold it, but uh. You know, me being naive, not understanding uh, the market. So I lived in a geographic area that wasn't big enough to support the restaurant. I mean, I was still doing over a million a year annually, but, you know, there's ups and downs. It's cyclical uh, a bit. And uh, I was too optimistic.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: was too optimistic. I just thought if I worked hard, kept my head down and... um You know, I didn't take the initial uh, signs of a problem until, you know, I hit the wall. And, you know, there's a a famous quote about that. You know, some people can't can't see until they're reading the letters on the wall. (laughs) And, you know, when I was running out of money, well, if I would, but of course I was young. And so these were all important lessons for me to learn. Another uh, one that was uh, honestly pretty terrifying to me when I had the uh, public company, um, I raised several million dollars from a a fund and, um, you know, they didn't have a a controlling position. Uh, But one day they, they called me and said, Judy, we love what you're doing, you know, Uh, you've been great, but now we think there's more money to be made in alternative energy. So you clean up the balance sheet, sell the assets, we'll give you stock, cash, uh, if you do what we say. Uh, If you don't, we will personally sue you and sue the company and say you've committed fraud with every penny we've invested. And we've done it before. And I was I was really frightened. Um, and, you know, at the time I, I could have been, I guess, overly optimistic and said, you know, go ahead, I haven't done anything wrong. Uh, but, you know, I, I lost uh, a lot of sleep. Now, I did do that and was able to successfully do that. But the lesson for me learned was you have to be very careful who you get in bed with. And this is particularly true uh, as you know, my second book is How to Crack the Funding Code. And, yes. and you know, I, I work with companies uh, helping them get funded. Um, you had better know these people's history and make sure they're not litigious. Um, and if I would have asked for some recommendations of other companies to talk to, um, I would have found out that this was their history. So that was a a very difficult, you know, it was a hard lesson, but it was a great lesson. And the reality is every one of these difficulties uh, just put me on a higher level. And, you know, there's a a saying, uh, next level, next devil. So, you know, it's almost like in life, you're either getting out of a problem, you're getting in one or you're going through one. And so the the higher you go, you know, you're always going to have to deal with problems. So if you adopt the mindset of, wow, this is a great challenge for me. I'm going to learn a lot. Now, what do I need to do to figure this out? You know, who can I talk to? Who can give me the best advice? Uh, can I find somebody who has been through this before? And then come up with an action plan. And, you know, even if the, the restaurant would have gone bankrupt, it wasn't going to kill me. I, I mean, that was the good lesson, right? There's very few things that will kill you. Uh, and, and so th- that would be my answer.
1: Too long. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, um, if I can go a little bit deeper, if you allow me to, what is the lesson that you learn about yourself in these two situations?
0: Um, that that it is true that I can make anything happen, like I did getting millions of dollars from this fund. Uh, but uh, the lesson you know learned was that I needed to do my due diligence on them. So that one was really important, and it's important also with you know people you have in your network. You want people who can help you uh, move forward with your vision, uh, but you want people who are going to protect you from getting stabbed in the back.
1: Well, it's not always easy to discern who's good, or who's bad, right? Sometimes, sometimes you need to, I guess, catch some some hints. Well.
0: You know, I once asked a uh, um, a corporate recruiter, you know, who hired CEOs for, you know, very large companies, how do you ascertain, you know, character? And she said, oh, I watch the little things, like, do they have a pet? Uh, do they park in a handicapped zone and they're not handicapped? She said, I watch all of these kind of things. Well, you know, if you study the dark triad—the narcissistic, sociopathic, Machiavellian people—which uh, is about you know seven percent of the population—most uh, of them know how to how to work around that. You know, I've read they even will rent a, a pet for a date to convince you they're so good. Um, but uh, you know, just absolutely uh, important that you you know you do your homework. Uh, but at the at the end, I said to her, you know, anybody can do that. And she said, I find someone who has known them for 10 years. And and this resonates deeply with me. I was in Colombia, Bogota, Colombia, working with the central bank, helping them with, at the time it was crowdfunding and, and they wanted to improve their, their entrepreneurial ecosystem, but they had money laundering rules. And I met with uh, the head of Google, Latin America. And he had started, he was co-founders of a a startup that did online loans, never met with a person. And I, I said to him, how do you do this successfully? You know, what about all the bad actors? And he said, oh, you know, we've got these sophisticated algorithms and this black box. And, you know, went on and on and on about his engineers and stuff. And I said, so at the end of the day, what was the most important thing you learned? And he said, who refers you?
1: You have to trust that person first. Yes,
0: yeah you, you'd better know you'd better find somebody that that knows them and I've made that mistake a couple of times you know uh, even as an investor as an angel investor, I lost um, I think the first fifty thousand dollars by listening to someone that that I thought really knew what they were doing uh only later to find out they weren't who they said they were they were very charismatic um you know i it's a common mistake when you become an angel investor you know they say don't fall in love with the founder you know again you have to do your your due diligence and look at everything otherwise you flush your money down the toilet
1: that's uh <laughs> that's an important lesson i would say and actually, you know, since you mentioned this, uh, and uh, in your role of angel investor, what is the uh, that the, the you have noticed in the, these generation of leaders that are coming up now you know, and are starting their businesses? What, what is the main trait, if you want, that you think is different from the past, if there is any?
0: Um... Well, you know, it's a totally different world with with all the technology and, you know, abilities to communicate, uh, but the opportunities are just unbelievable. You know, back in the day when I was a kid, it was a big deal when we got a fax machine, right? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I remember cellular phones. I remember meeting with the CEO of Motorola at grad school. (laughs) And it was a flip phone. It looked like it had come out of Star Trek. And so, you know, everything has really changed. Uh, But, you know, the most important things stay the same. And that's a passion uh, for what you're creating and persistence. You know, persistence. You know, I find a lot of people that stop prematurely. And, and that's you know the fear factor and a lot of people would have been successful if they would have just kept going a couple of more steps
1: passion and persistence I like that and it goes back despite all the, the technological advancement that you that you mentioned and actually I think someone listening to this poster and doesn't even know what a fax machine is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <probably. laughs> oh that's okay yeah. <laughs> Um, I had a,
0: I'll have to tell you, I had a a watch on and this is many, many years ago. And this little boy came up to me and said to his mother, look, she's got an antique watch on it has (laughs) like, it has like hands that tell you the time.
1: Well, some of those are quite fancy, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at all. So, well, yeah, but you're right. I mean, now we, everything is digital, right? We used to be digital huh? almost 100%. Like this call. Yeah. I mean, we, you are in Satellite City. I'm in Washington. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Um, but what I was saying is that then, despite all this technology advancement, everything goes back to the human dimension. As you actually talked earlier, right? It's... it's uh, when we when you mention curiosity the networking the uh, the listening is simply being human and understanding that everyone else is human too and they come with their own stories with their own problems and it's important to connect with them
0: yeah and you know most people will help if you if you ask and, and so it is absolutely critical because the answers are out there the yeah. answers are always out there
1: yes yes and yes. and
0: every resource you would ever need is out there
1: yes and, and then the, that's why that's the one thing that i really appreciated about the book that you wrote um really the, the the human dimension of it you know it's uh, networking might be seen as uh, i don't know a mean way no a mean way but you know just because they want to make a profit or all of it but it's not true because actually, the the, the the first act, as you, as you teach, is to, to approach a person with a giving mentality. And it actually makes the difference. This is a, something that I, I, I coach on sometimes because it's when you, when you, I've learned and now I coach on, but it, when you approach a person, you have to go there with a giving mentality, really telling yourself, I'm a giver, I'm a giver, I'm not here to, to take anything from this person. I want to. Help this person, even even if I don't know them.
0: Yeah, and and I do. I did the same thing, like giving speeches. Uh, and I think I've done three hundred around the world, as big <laughs> as you know, four four thousand people in the crowd. And and I still get really nervous. And and uh, but I think about I am here to help, to share knowledge and wisdom that I have acquired, sometimes with kicks to the head, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that other people don't have to get those kicks to the head. And, um, you know, I recently read uh, a book on sales, and it was the the same premise, is you you go in there to really listen and learn what the problem is uh, before you start drowning people with the benefits like a used car salesman right and you know my 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 book wasn't going to be on networking i was going to write a book on how to get your company funded and i had a list of 50 people i was going to interview Reuben abraham who i'd met in delhi india all these people and my agent called me and she said how do you know these people you must have gone to harvard or stanford i said oh no 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 utah state university twice <laughs> And she said, we need to do a book on networking. And I said, not me. I think it's icky. I think it's manipulative, Uh, you know, leaves me cold. And she said, well, we'll call it something else. Well, I didn't think, you know, the book would be of interest. And she said, I'm going to send the proposal to New York. It was on a Friday. She said, on Monday, get ready to get on a plane and go. And we we had uh, proposals back from four publishers. I didn't have to go to New York. Uh, So it was kind of an accident, but you know, it's the same thing, whether you're, well, raising money is the perfect example. Uh, That's a pretty gated under the radar community of the people that have money. And uh, it is all based on trust, referrals.
1: And also this is a a fairy tale of opportunity, right? You, someone brought you an opportunity and you were smart quick enough to catch it many other people probably would have said no i don't want to write a book on networking that's it (laughs) we yeah Yeah. right (laughs) i'm sure that the book whatever would have been successful (laughs) but still it was the opportunity and that's another lesson that we can learn from from your stories you know how to really recognize among all the challenges because challenges bring they bring opportunities they bring Risks, of course, and not, yeah. not everything is easy, but also also something that we can take advantage from and we did not expect. We need to be flexible on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I often say to people, there's nothing I like better than chaos because when you have chaos, you can create whatever you want. <laughs> and, and you know, certainly with, <laughs> with uh, new companies, startup companies, they're always in chaos. Uh, And companies that are are going through a myriad of of problems, you know, are in chaos. And and you have to be very cautious then that you don't jump on the first answer, uh, which is probably wrong.
1: Well, I would say many people are scared by chaos and they need to be everything to be organized and everything to be structured and perfectly planned. And I, I understand, but I also I'm, I think that there is a, a kind of being naive there because we also know that we cannot control everything. Actually, we control a little, like 10%, 5% of what we can do. Everything else happens to us. And that's where the opportunities come. And that's where yeah. the chaos is a source of Different endeavors, even more successful than you thought.
0: Yeah. It, well, and those op- those opportunities and problems it, it depends on where you're at, right? Right. So uh, you know who you surround yourself with, what kind of an environment that you're you're in. Yeah. I have yeah. to. I have to go get on another <laughs> call.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let, be, be, before before we say you goodbye and thank you, actually. Let me ask you the final question, then. that is uh, the recommendation you will give to um, someone that comes to you and say, hey, Judy, I want to be a great leader like you are, and you've been for all your life. What should I do? What, 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 what is the suggestion that you could give to me?
0: You know, I usually tell people jump in the frying pan. I mean, it doesn't matter. Wherever you are, you can be a leader. You can join a not-for-profit organization and lead, be on a committee. Uh, uh, there's endless situations that you can lead lead in your community, you can be a leader in your church, uh leader in your company, uh but you you know, you have to
1: get the ticket punched
0: to play the game.
1: I like that. Well, thank you very much, Judy. Thank you for having been a great guest. And thank you.
0: Thank you so that. much, Savano and we'll talk again.